0: All right, boom. Got one. All on. right, it's the uh, Ryan Randy morning show.
1: <laughs> afternoon.
0: <laughs> afternoon show. Uh, no, it's Aspirus TV. You know, I didn't have an episode on Friday. Yeah. So, you know what? Uh, I just got to keep it rolling, though. I mean, we can't miss episodes just because uh, we screwed up on Friday. You're going to mess up on uh, uh, Monday, too, man. So 3 o'clock every Monday, we're going to do one of these live guys. Yeah. Uh, and uh, invited Randy. You invited me. I don't know. I just thought it was too boring alone. So, let's see how it goes. Uh, so, today we're going to talk about additives. And for those of you who don't know, uh, I think the following week, this week's actually about the cycle. Oh, that uh,
1: one's been long awaited. Yeah, four-month so. Four month cycle.
0: This, this week uh, on Friday, we're going to be talking about that four month cycle that everybody's talking about. Oh. And, you know, I, it's easily the most asked question, but I'm not going to answer that one today. <laughs> so, I answer it in full on Friday, and then on Monday, man, we'll get back to it and yeah. answer real questions. Well, we're gonna leapfrog a little bit. The week after, we're gonna talk about additives. So, or not additives, but major, minor, and trace element mm-hmm. chemistry. Uh, how to do that uh, for the hybrid system. And today, we'll just talk about additives for fun. You know, kind of like preempt that just a little bit. Get everybody's like juices flowing. Yeah. yeah, thinking about additives and whatnot. Oh. Uh, all right, so what we're going to do is uh, answer questions here from uh, Facebook and uh, YouTube. Uh, it looks like YouTube's already got 120 people rolling, so right. feel free to answer your questions. I just plucked out a couple, uh, you know, just to get the, the whole thing going. All right. Now, maybe I should quiz Randy here, actually. All right,
1: you ready? Oh, yeah. All right, I quiz. may have answered some of these product questions.
0: okay. Well, anyway.
1: Uh, how many gallons will seven pounds of bicarbonate make? Oh, I'm going to say gallons of solution for seven pounds, I'm going to say in the ballpark of like five. Five six. Uh, How many? It's a uh,
0: twelve gallons what? of B- yeah. I know because the bicarbonate mixes up the half strength. This is the new Pharma stuff. Yep, but it mixes oh, up the half strength. Yeah, you certainly yeah, use yeah. a quarter, one cup and a quarter instead of two cups that's for soda. So okay, I knew that was going to get you. Got me. So yeah, well, one uh, gallon or seven pounds rather
1: of sodium bicarbonate makes twelve gallons of bicarbonate alkalinity. Yeah. So if you're using sodium bicarb as your uh, daily additive to your tank, now that's like a two to one ratio more or less. You know, we talk about equal two part dosing. So there's uh. With with soda ash and calcium chloride with the mixes with the, the uh, standard mixes that we have uh, that's like almost one to one dosing. If I'm doing like forty mils of one, I'm probably doing forty mils of the other. Pretty close. Sodium bicarb's more of like a two to one, where you're dosing more sodium. Why? Why is that? Why would it? It's just the recipe. Uh, it's because it dissolves. Uh, yeah. Only so much of it will dissolve in the water. Yeah. So
0: that's a max right there. Hey, there scroll go. up on YouTube here. There was a question that I just thought was kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey guys, there's a water boil advisory in my area. Is using RODI system safe to use the water that comes out of it? Oh, water boil I think means there's probably like a pathogen, or, right? Yeah, and so a lot of these filters aren't, aren't good enough for that. So like some of them will have uh, like uh, silver impregnated into the carbon and whatnot and they're for killing pathogens like that. But I would not use a standard RO1 uh, and assume that you could not boil your water. Uh, You know, especially if your city's telling you that, it's probably pretty bad. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Anyway, I thought that was an interesting question. All right. Uh, Keep your uh,
1: additive things going. You look for another one here. I'm just going to keep rattling off a couple. Hey, bring your questions in about additives. That's what we're talking about today. And uh, I I got one. Go ahead. All right. All right.
0: In relation to Triton, how uh, do you have an estimate on
1: monthly costs? All right. I mean, like, how much do you think it costs to do Trident? I don't think we have an answer here. No, we've we've tried to. I don't know if we've tried to answer that. So, hey, for the one hundred and sixty, it was. uh so uh, you've got your regular core seven, and those are what, like 40 some bucks a kit or something like that. I can't remember the last time I looked. Uh, but we're dosing like 40 mils of that, 50 mils of that a day. Um, so you have that, probably a thousand mil bottle last year, maybe around a month or so. Uh, we don't dose the entire line of elements, or we didn't have to dose the entire line of elements, so you save costs there. So one one thing, would, or
0: one liter would last a, a month in this tank? About, uh, about,
1: no, more like more like half a month, more like okay, more like so three two weeks, weeks, two to three. Weeks. And how much is it for one of those things? Uh, the kit, I think the entire kit, of Core Seven, the one thousand mils. Uh, might, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe like fifty bucks, I think. Okay, so it's significantly more
0: expensive than uh, uh,
1: some options, like. You uh, know, but you're getting like trace. Well, yeah, but you're getting trace elements and stuff in there too.
0: So. This is true. You're getting all the other stuff. I will say this. Uh, I looked at their base elements, and uh, for those of you that saw all those pharma-related uh, videos that we did, uh, the one that I chose is like the B, or the like uh, aquarium additive one mm-hmm. was the most expensive uh, calcium alkalinity additive on the website, and I just wanted to represent the best that we you could get against ours, and uh, I thought for sure it'd be Triton. And it yeah. wasn't, actually, but not even by a long shot. <laughs> so it was actually a lot cheaper. Uh, huh. And so this one said the monthly cost is actually going to be relative. So I'll just say straight up, if you're uh, buying Triton because you think it's going to be the cheapest thing out there, wrong. Uh, yeah, I mean, that is definitely not going to be the cheapest possible yeah. option. It's going to be what, uh, you know, people are shooting for the best option, you know, where you're trying to maintain all of your elements uh, as close to natural seawater as possible and then
1: test for it. John, right. uh, John really asked a good question. Yeah, we got plenty of questions. Uh, John asked a good one right there on YouTube. Is there a balance ratio that your tank should be consuming in regards to alkalinity, calcium, and magnesium? Uh This is something that uh, we've done with the two-part dosing. So soda ash, and, like I was mentioning earlier, soda ash and calcium chloride mixed into solution. Typically doses about the same in equal ratios. And then after you've gone through, what we had uh, these starter packages where after you've gone through a gallon of each one of those, normally dosed equally, then you would take 20 ounces of magnesium mix, that's uh, the magnesium chloride and magnesium sulfate, and uh, mix those together and dose the whole 20 ounces at once. And that usually kept people's tanks in, in balance, I think, but
0: there's well, probably more
1: to it, do you think? Uh, yeah, well, you know, it, well, there's another question up there.
0: Scroll up a little bit uh, on YouTube.
1: YouTube's coming in
0: with the questions. Yeah. pretty heavy. do I don't know. Uh, Jose there, uh, do you think it's possible to overdose Red Sea color program if it's dosed, to, or he's dosing based on calcium consumption? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what? Because you're based, dosing it based on calcium consumption, it's probably no different than dosing like an all-in-one kind of solution uh, in terms of the ability to overdose it uh, because it's in ratio to the amount of calcium we're adding. So like if I had like, you know, say ESV or whatever, inside that bottle, it's obviously in ratio to the amount of calcium and alkalinity I'm using. So if you stay within that, it's unlikely that you're gonna overdose it, but obviously not impossible, especially if you, you know, mess up the math or something in there. You know, anytime you're dosing any kind of element, there's always a risk of overdosing it. But, like, I think that's kind of the beauty of it. And, you know, I believe the reason that those different trace elements are in there is so they can maintain more of them. You know, mm-hmm. because it's really difficult to get all of them to stay in solution and uh, mm-hmm. not precipitate out inside a true two-part. So uh, unlikely you're going to overdose it, uh, but, you know, possible. One of the things, though, they, they do have them in there,
1: like, in ratio to each other in, like, groups. Yeah. So you can use the test kits. Yeah. Yeah, there is a four-part test kit that Red Sea has. Uh, it's, the tra- it's part of the Trace Colors program. So you use the uh, you use the four part trace colors program, and, and if you go in there, I did a video about this actually, uh, where I break down you know what they say each one does, and it's some of them uh, like if you want reds, or if you're looking to, you know if this one will bring out reds, this one will bring out pinks, this one will bring out oranges. Uh, but in relation to that, uh, instead of dosing, there's another way to dose it. Like most people will probably choose the based on calcium consumption, which is the easiest and is also one that you can tie to other two-part solutions. Like, if you're using our two-part solution, uh, you can tie the calcium consumption to the Red Sea Trace, and we, uh, that was a video we also did. Um, but there is the, the four-part like test kits, like iodine. It's, the major, it's testing based off the major lead elements, so there's a whole lot of elements in each one of these bottles, but there's one or two particular lead elements in each one, and you base off a consumption of those on how much you dose. It's another way to do it, and then more test kits that you can get into. Personally, I'm, I opt for the calcium one. So,
0: so yeah, just for uh, the people out there, uh, the Red Sea stuff, I believe, anyway, uh, the calcium one is just calcium chloride, so, you know, you can use ours if you wanted. There's a, like you said, there's a video that is uh, doing the math on that. Yeah, uh, I believe the alkalinity is just sodium bicarbonate, so you could use that or you could use, uh, uh, you know, soda ash and have the elevated pH if you wanted. Uh, and then I think magnesium is just a mix of magnesium sulfate and, and uh, right. oh, I, uh, the calcium one has strontium in it too, I bet Oh, forgot. that's true. Yeah. So you could dose that separately if you wanted. Uh, I got one here, uh, Ryan, if WWC feeds their coral every hour in the hour, even the frag tanks, how do we acclimate them to our feeding schedule? So that's kind of like an additive, you know, if I'm dumping in, you know, blended up food or whatnot to the tank. I mean, uh, you're like a do-it-yourself additive, really. You know, people are dosing amino acids and particulate foods and stuff. If I uh, take up a piece of tilapia or whatever, which is a big portion of the food that they feed, you know, they're just blending it up, man, and, like, all kinds of particles are going around. Uh, You know, like, I mean, you can see, like, you know, every size chunk of uh, seafood has made it into there, and they're feeding you know, reef in there and some other stuff inside, mixed up inside that, some amino acids too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to that question, how do you acclimate them to your feeding schedule? So you gotta keep in mind that it isn't necessarily that, that all of you need to feed every hour on the hour. It's just that in that tank, man, they have so many corals, man, The like, you know, uptake of uh, overall nutrition in the tank is just sky high. So like, you know, they have to replace it pretty darn frequently or it'll fall back down. So, and you know, and we're not talking about phosphate and nitrate falling up and down like that. I'm talking about the availability of amino acids and uh, other types of dissolved nutrients, or even particulate foods like that. So, you know, uh, they keep bare bottom so the stuff is suspended as long as possible. But the reality is, is I think what people are going to do when you get to that point, you kind of have that level of food. You'll do what, like what we're doing. You know, we have an auto feeder on there that feeds the uh, reef chili and pellets and stuff. And, you know, it just isn't realistic to use, like, you know, a frozen or fresh food in there all the time. So uh, you can even put it on a dosing pump and dose, you know, power or something if you wanted to. So, you know, uh, it's not realistic nearly anyone to do on the hour uh, on the hour but that isn't like the message here that you have to do that to be successful it's just kind of bringing home man that like you know part of the whole nutrient system man is protein 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 you know and elements of protein you know because you need to build tissue you know and just sugar from you know photosynthesis breaks basically produces a simple sugar like the the uh produces basically more sugar than it needs for its own metabolic processes and then releases that sugar like into the coral tissue and then the coral uses it for energy and so sugar doesn't build tissue on its own you know so uh, adding the sources of nitrogen, phosphorus uh, and things that build up protein are are important. You just don't need to do it on the hour every hour and if you did you could use an Mm auto-feeder. All
1: right you pick one. Uh, still up here on YouTube. We're gonna get down here. We got to get some of these questions on Facebook going. But uh, I did see Keith's uh, question up here on YouTube. How important is it to double? How important is double, triple testing to ensure accuracy? And how can we improve the accuracy of a single test? So. Uh okay, great question, and I mean this has to do with uh, you know with additives, especially the major like the major foundation elements that you know that calcium alkalinity and, and magnesium. Uh, we i I'm, I would venture to say that uh, we've gotten to the point in test kits of alkalinity, calcium, and magnesium that. Uh, there's a there's a, a variety of good ones out there, and you can you can trust pretty well uh, of the like I mean we're talking your Salifert's, your Red Seas, your uh, your Hannah Checkers, all of these different ones. Uh, but really, to, how do you make a single test more accurate? Uh, I can you know the same repeatable procedure every single time. So you know, like we Ryan and I always talk about hey, sometimes that change from blue to pink in your titration might be different from what he thinks turned into blue and what I think turned into blue, but as long as you personally do it the same every time and you feel that that that's the same one that I had last time, uh, and you, you do, you conduct the test the same each way, where I, me personally, I use, a gradu, I use a graduated syringe, I pull 10 mils, I dose it to the, to the uh, little vials, whether or not that lines up with the line on the vials, some people say it doesn't, some people say it does, uh, or not, I'm going to do it that same time or that same way each time uh, to improve the accuracy of that one test. Uh, you may fill up that same vial to the line each time. And uh, as long as it's the same each time, you can kind of get an idea of, where you're, uh, you know, it's, it, these are hobby-grade test kits, so it's not like you're sending the stuff into labs. It's not like you have a laboratory in your own home, you know, for accuracy. But they're accurate enough to where you can monitor trends and things like that, and make and make adjustments if need be. And the reason for using multiple tests is specifically that, like, I will, I probably won't do a multiple test if I don't th- feel the need for it. But if something's way out of whack, like I test alkalinity one day and uh, it's like three points higher than normal. I'm gonna, oh. con- I'm gonna conduct another test. I'm gonna conduct you know multiple tests just to verify rather than go make changes based off of that one, so. So well, you know what I'd say in relation
0: to this is it's not, like he just said uh, almost, uh, verbatim is it's not about accuracy, it's about consistency, yeah. you know? And so I just wanna make sure that however I'm doing this, it's the same all the time. And you know, if I get anticipated results, I would never re- repeat the test. So, like it's, it's close enough, mm-hmm. for, you know? If your tests are like way out of whack, man, like, I would say nine times out of ten, if somebody calls up here and asks a crazy question like, "Oh, my pH or my you know alkalinity is like here or there," you know, crazy off, Mm -hmm. Uh, like, "Hey, man, one in doubt if uh, your parameters uh, are telling you something crazy, it is almost certainly testing procedure or the test kit itself, and almost every time it's that, you know, Uh, and uh, it is." It's more likely that than that your tank's really got a three D pH, you know, or your alkalinity or your pH is really ten, mm-hmm. you know. And so, one of the things that drives me crazy, you know, here, uh, and uh, I'm, I think we've all been guilty of this at some point in time of our reefing hobby. So, you know, bear with me, is how many people, you know, use their you know hobby grade test kit. You know, your alkalinity and your salt mix is supposed to be nine. Oh, and yeah. uh, the test kit tells me it's eight. Oh, man, like, this is a bad batch, you know, whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not going to say a bad batch has never happened because some of them actually it, it have said that oh, they yeah. do. But in general, man, your ability to do a, a hobby-grade test kit at home uh, versus, like, salt, I mean, maybe it's off. But just as likely, I just – I'm not reading this shade of blue when it changed at the exact moment that it changed at the right play. I right. didn't follow the procedure absolutely perfectly. And a lot of these tests, like, openly state, you know, a 5% change, you know, in uh, a a plus or minus. You know, what's 5%? uh, 420 calcium. That's, like, 20-some points in either direction. Yeah. So my, you know, 420 could be 400 or it could be 440. And be accurate (laughs) to the standard that's on this test kit. Yeah. You know, so, and then even, like, more crazy to me, actually, is sometimes, you know, you're like, I don't know, this one doesn't make any sense. So I go do a Red Sea one instead of the Sallyford I just did. Completed and down. one of them says uh, 10, and then one of them says 8 or something. And they're like, well, you know, the Sallyford one's wrong because my Red Sea one said that. You're like, well, like, what makes you think one's better than the other one? I don't, I, there's no real reason to believe that. And so the reality is, is man, like, uh, nobody here wants to buy an $80, $120 lab-grade test kit. I mean, maybe you do. I don't, I don't know. But most people don't. Uh, and uh, so, you know, what we have is, you know, getting us into the ballpark. And I don't even think anybody really wants to hear that, but it's true. I mean, we're just trying to get consistent numbers inside of a safe zone. And again, yeah. that's why we're talking about alkalinity. What do you do is- uh, what's my number? Your number? And my alkalinity number, eight point five dKH. Yeah, uh, mine's nine. And the reason for both of those is the exact same thing. Is so you know if it was really seven because our, uh, our testing skills are terrible, uh, you know so be it. But if I was shooting for seven, that means that his terrible testing skills would be like five point. Yeah, like it'd be <laughs> terrible. So if you know you're right in the middle there, it's less important that it gets perfect every single time. Yeah. All right, shoot. Okay,
1: let's take a look down here. I've been trying to see off the side. What is your opinion oh, well, on Liquid Reef by oh. Brightwell? Yeah, that's a good one. Oh. Um, have we used it? Rick asks, uh, what's your opinion on Liquid Reef by Brightwell Aquatics compared to other products similar? I use it in a mixed reef in the off weeks between biweekly water changes. Hmm. Uh, so you know what, about. I never used a Brightwell product. Uh, I I don't know, say, have you? No, I can't say. Yeah, so there's
0: lots of tube out there I haven't actually used, you know, like, uh, I used ESV like a million years ago. It's probably the first one I ever used. Yeah. Uh, then you know, uh, uh, Two Little Fishes has one. What's that called? Their
1: uh, their trace element stuff.
0: No, no, I just said AB product. Oh yeah, two-part. two
1: bottles. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's
0: lots of them out there. I, honestly, I think they're probably all very similar. And I've never heard anybody like. You know show definitive different results between any of those two parts out there and so I call a lot of commercials. so like I'm sure if Brightwell was here they would love to raise their hand say ours (laughs) is better because X Y and Z and in reality my expectation would be that it produces very similar results you know the one difference though was uh, I know in their magnesium portion of that whole thing they they actually came up better than ours Uh, you know that was like the one test of all of them through kelkwasser and alkalinity and calcium and all the Different things. Was uh, they actually edge this out in quality uh, on the magnesium? So uh,
1: I don't know. You know, uh, outside of that, I, I don't. No, I wouldn't say go use it and like expect miracles. No, oh, I personally, the way I feel about it is if it if it's easy for me to understand and other reefers I've seen use it on the like the forums and stuff like that, and the dosing instructions are pretty easy. Uh, it's something I consider. probably. Uh, yeah. Hey, there's Keith down here on, on Facebook too, man. Uh, oh, yeah. I like this one.
0: Hey guys, I'm using a calcium reactor with two little fishes, reborn and remag. Do uh, I need to dose trace elements if I'm using red sea trace colors? And exactly how do I figure out the calcium consumption with a calcium reactor? Yeah, that's like a two part question here. (laughs) Uh, And the first portion of it is, do you need to? You know, one of the things that I wanna do here is uh, and I haven't gotten around to it, but I want to go ahead and like set up a calcium reactor, get it to like maximum solubility. Uh, so like you know, I think it's like 40 dkh with most pHs in there, and uh, send the tank water through it, you know, or even some just salt water or whatnot, uh, and then send in ICP before and after, and then we can see actually what trace elements uh, and in what concentration yeah. are, are they actually being added to the tank. My suspicion is with some especially like the reborn, which is very obviously little bits of acro yeah. uh, and other types of corals, I fully anticipate seeing a, a variety of trace elements, you know, pop up in there and kind of end that question yeah. of whether or not they're in there. Uh, you know, with some of the other ones that look like a little bit more like grains of sand, Yeah, you know, sand was, you know, calcium presumably at one point, at one point time. in time, yeah. so maybe the, the same thing. I bet you, though, there'll be differences between some of the different medias in terms of uh, trace elements. Yeah, I bet you also there'll be some surprises. Like, there'll probably be some phosphate and stuff wow. in there.
1: And I wonder, if, uh, th- I wonder how many trace elements are actually, like, in the tissues or in the zooxanthellae mm-hmm. and stuff like that that probably wouldn't make it into the skeleton. And you might be deficient on, like, a little bit of this, but, you know, have some in here.
0: Yeah, end of story, You know what it is is uh, I've seen p- so many people be successful with, you know, like, calcium... Are, uh, calcium chloride and uh, sodium carbonate, yeah, and, and decent water changes, yeah. uh, the decent salt. That, yeah. you, know, you can get by without, you know, trace elements per se. I'm sure there's benefits. Uh, there's no question. Like, I mean, we could probably go on for hours about like perceived benefits that are real. Anything getting close to seawater versus yeah. not is going to probably produce some results. It's not necessarily required, but if you can, like, uh, with the trace uh, or with the calcium radar meter, like, let's say I could get seventy percent of them. I'm at home run yeah uh, i mean like uh, and it was uh, it was done automatically i didn't have to buy any products or anything so yeah i mean i really hope to find that one out uh, the second portion of the question is how do i figure out the calcium, calcium consumption, consumption with a calcium reactor so let's just presume that zero trace elements was in there and it was only calcium and carbonate ions and that isn't going to be the case so being that is the case is going to be really hard to figure out but the beauty of that uh, trace colors with red C is that it's based on calcium, uh, you know, addition. So you can actually do the math, uh, test the you know parts per million of the effluent coming out of your you know calcium reactor, and do the math and how much you're actually adding to the tank, and then do the math backwards to get your you know trace element A B C thing. I got to be honest, that would be pretty nerdy, yeah. and I don't think many people would do it. You know, that I mean, you're really going to get into it, and that, at that point, like. In reality, there's probably some trace elements coming out of that, that that calcium reactor media. Yeah, it's time to ICP test and check your theory. Yeah. And, you know, like I mean, if I'm going to get that far into it, I, I better make sure what I'm
1: doing is making sense. That makes that brings up a good point about just the ICP in general, whether or not you're using the whether or not you're using the triton method or, or some other method of like adding two part or adding you know major foundation elements back in. Is like you can you can send in an ICP test. And then if they, you know, if you're deficient on one of these other ones or one of these other ones, they're individual. They're, you know, they're available individually. So maybe your calcium reactor's not putting in iodine or something like that. Well, now I have oh, a little God. bottle here, and I could drop some in my tank. So this is what else. Actually, this is a good
0: point. man. Uh, so you know, like the ICP thing, you know, it's not perfect, uh, and uh, like uh, it's just a new tool to the hobby, right? Yeah. Uh, And, you know, like people on the forums and stuff get lost in, like, the whole debate about this. And does it test that perfect or does it test this thing perfect? And the answer is no, it doesn't. (laughs) Uh, And it's not being done in a $1,000 shot lab, meaning that, like, you know, know, like university professors are in there doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it... it's just done in an economical manner where for 50 bucks, man, I can get a really solid window into my tank that I've never gotten before, True. especially if the results are repeatable. Uh, and they have been for us. I mean, we've sent in tons of samples where you send in three, and I haven't found one where they didn't match, you know, so they're not labeled or anything where anybody figured that out. So I've been pretty impressed with that. And the thing about it, though, is, you know, people get lost in some of that stuff again, the accuracy. like. You know, it openly states, man, on the calcium and stuff. Like, this tool is designed to measure into, like, parts per billion, you know, or a trillion in some cases. You know, like, not at... 420 parts per million calcium, so it's just not accurate at both of those mm. ranges. Okay. Yeah. And so, if it's off on uh, calcium, man, by like 5-10%, it's a big window, 10%. You know, like 10% of 420 means it could be 4-380, and it'd be accurate, you know. Mm. So, you know, it's not the greatest tool for, I would never use it for calcium, alkalinity, and magnesium personally. I just got better tools in my house. I can do it right there. I'm worried about those things I can't test for. And that's the things that, in fact, I'd prefer if they just stripped that stuff out of there because it's misleading, I think. Uh, But this is how I think is a really cool tool for ICP for at home. You know, you're sitting there debating, like, should I use XYZ product because it's got trace elements in it? Hey, man, I do really good water changes. Do I really even need the trace elements? Can I just use bulk material? And like, what that ends up is, is like an endless debate on the forums. you know, Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. There's no real knowledge on it, you know, just guessing. And in this case, I can actually implement what my plan is, send the thing out, it doesn't have to be all the time, I get to do it twice a year, you know, just to like kind of make sure I got a pulse and like, I'm not just totally screwing up the chemistry of my tank, you know, doing whatever I thought was right, you know? And send it in and it turns out like, oh, uh, you know what, a couple of these things are slightly depleted, you know what though? Like, slightly. yeah, I don't know man, how much, how much i want to spend a nut slightly? Not much, man. I really don't. Uh, You know, unless you're just like, unless, you know, mad scientist is part of the fun, you know? Uh, Which I don't think most people is, especially because it costs money to be mad scientist. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And so, like, uh, I would use that ICP test that way. is just to make sure no matter what additive solution you pick, you know, make sure it works the best. And there's lots of questions about what ICP tests uh, out there, you know. Oh, yeah, I Triton, think, ATI. You know, all water testing an, labs. Yeah, there's a guy in
1: uh, Colorado. Yeah, I think Coralview does, does it with them. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, ATI does one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Triton. Yeah. Uh, we only stocked Triton here. Uh, and I guess this is, here's the reason why, I, I guess. I, and uh, forgive me for all the people that support all the other ones or, you know, whatnot. Uh, this is not an easy thing. Uh, This testing all these things at that low level is not an easy task. Some of it is uh, actually kind of like creating an algorithm to guess it to the best of their ability. Uh, And the fact is is I've seen enough people send out the same sample to four of these places uh, and get totally different results at each one of them. Uh, and you can't like test one against the other one and say for sure that oh, I don't know A B got it right. You know you don't know. <laughs> you know you really don't know. So at the end of the story, man, you just got to pick one that you trust and trust that one to the best of your ability. And for me, I tend to go to the thought leaders on this thing instead of the me toos and uh, go to the people that you like started doing this, mm-hmm. and I can't That's remember true. which one it was, but Jake Adams told me I needed to go to the uh, Triton booth at an inner zoo. Must have zoo, must have been seven years ago, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so a really long time ago. Uh, and so seven years ago, I mean, they've been doing this that long over in Germany, refining it, perfecting it, getting the accuracy right, and so just out of default, uh i look at these guys triton as the leaders and the ones that i trust the most and that's why we sell that one and we don't sell the other ones currently that doesn't mean that we won't sell them yeah uh, especially if we decide that you know it kind of meets our standard or you know it's so much cheaper that even lower degree of accuracy you know provides value uh then maybe we do that but uh
1: yeah i don't know that's what we use all right uh misfit reefer here on youtube is asking hey ryan and randy uh, aren't you using a two part combined into one now? Something Reef by Tropic Marin or mm. something, yeah. That's uh, either the Carbocalcium, uh, but the one with Trace Elements is the same thing, uh, which is called All for Reef, or uh, All for Reef, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's actually something that Zach's using on his tank. He's been at it for like three months, four months now on his tank. SPS dominated 60 gallon system. A one single source of uh, calcium of the calcium carbonate in cal- uh, carbonate it- in the tank, and it's calcium formate, which. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can break that one down a little further. Yeah. We're, we're, I'm expecting to, I'm still expecting to do a video on this one because uh, Lou over Tropic Marin has given, he's just full of information and he's like, anytime you want to talk about this stuff, let me know. So I got to sit down with him and like really break this stuff down into how it works and then like come up with a video to like, set it straight. I mean, Lou, if I... you're
0: watching, you owe us free lunch or something. Because, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh,
1: we're spreading the news in this one. Uh, you know what?
0: Uh, actually, I think Jake, again, man, was one of the first people to spread the news in this one. But, yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, for us, uh, I got to tell you, as, as we've been using it. I know if you've been watching this, you saw the the tank that uh, uh, Zach has. Yeah. Uh, if you watch my Instagram or anything, you've seen the, the Zoanthid and now the LPS tank that's running on that. It's mm-hmm. just like... 10 or 15 milliliters a day and it is calcium uh, formate and so the the difference here is like calcium hydroxide is the only other like not only but the only popular option for adding calcium and alkalinity Mm -hmm. and the reason for that is I add the calcium hydroxide to the water and the calcium ionizes off and uh, it's calcium the hydroxide interacts with the carbon dioxide in the water to form carbonate. Right, So essentially I'm adding you know, calcium and carbonate to, to the tank in, in separate forms. If I added calcium carbonate to the tank, I'd be adding sand or rock essentially and it wouldn't dissolve, which is good because our coral skeletons made out of calcium carbonate. If it dissolved in the tank, we'd be in you know, bad news. So in this case, the calcium formate, uh, prior to that there was actually a thing called calcium citrate and the citrate would happen the calcium would go in the citrate would be you know metabolized by bacteria in the tank and come out as carbonate mm. right so it was like a really long tail thing that actually produced the carbonate but the calcium was readily available but it produces it in equal amounts problem is the citrate uh, formed all kinds of or reduced the oxygen in the tank yeah. too much right yeah. the fromate does not have the same uh, degree of issue so uh you know you won't reduce the oxygen as long as you're like in some kind of you know reasonable level and i can tell you we've we've cranked it up pretty high with a pretty high sps tank and it i don't know not an issue with any of his fish so uh in this case i'm adding calcium and i'm adding uh formate formate is metabolized by the bacteria turns into carbonate we
1: have calcium carbonate again and at the concentration like that's the the Mm. amazing part to me is the concentration so when you're talking about calcium hydroxide or kalkwasser uh you know this is something that's you know you can only mix two two teaspoons into a gallon of water to make max saturation and that's going to hold you up to a certain point of demand you know there's uh, say i have if i was trying to do this tank uh, only on a an ato uh, an ato of uh fully saturated kalk now that's just one solid source. It's different when you're doing like a carbon a kalkwasser stir where you can constantly feed in max saturation. Uh, but if I'm doing it in an ATO box where I'm limited to the amount that I can put in in one you know in, in a single day or or have or what have you, then I'm limited to how much calcium and alkalinity consumption that my ATO box of you know kalkwasser can keep up with. Uh, but. When you're talking about the uh, the all for one or the carbon carbocalcium, it's almost it's nearly as strong as like standard two part. I think to, it's stronger. Uh, stronger than slightly. So, mm-hmm. which means now now I, on a tank like this where I was dosing 150 mils a day of uh, of alkalinity and calcium, uh, that same one single solution at a slightly re- you know a slightly reduced uh, amount is going to keep up with the same demands, uh, and it's scalable, too. I'm going to so. butcher
0: this, but like uh, just reference point, you know, like uh, uh, I had my first 90s filled with corals, and you know, I'd use two gallons of water a day from my top off mm. in this tank, right? Okay, uh, the same amount of uh, probably this Ulfa-Reef stuff would be like that same gallon, instead of lasting me half a day, it would last me a month. Yeah. Right. And so like, like two part, I can put one thing underneath my sump uh, or uh, yeah, underneath my stand or in the sump area. And instead of, I'd have to have a, I don't know, man, a hundred gallon tank somewhere full of Kelquats. <laughs> it's just not viable. And so, uh, a, and you can also have one dosing pump. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And God. so like, you know, now I could go buy like one BRS doser, you know, for like 70 bucks or whatever it is. And you know, I'm done. You know like I can dose the only thing only worry about one pump and I don't have to worry about the pumps dosing the same amounts anymore either because it's uh, a balanced solution inherently so yeah. uh, I mean yeah again uh, Lou at Trovin Morin uh, you owe me lunch uh,
1: <laughs> all right and Michael wanted to know how much we bench uh, two five gallon buckets when I do water changes that's it <laughs> uh, down here on uh, down here on Facebook I like Nicole's question here ICP testing before or after a water change well, I'll let you go first I I'm uh, so before or after a water change, I'm perv- I'm probably in the boat of I'm gonna do. I, I'm in the boat of doing mine. there, setting mine halfway. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> uh, right. A- so right after a water change, you know, maybe an hour or two after, then you, you you probably get a good idea of you know this is after you've diluted. So if you have pollutants in the tank, if you have elevated the, you know, levels in the tank of say you know ele- ele- elevated elements that you may not want in there, uh, those are gonna reveal themselves probably. After the, after the water change, after everything's diluted out. And now I can have a baseline of you know what to expect until the next water change. Well, if I'm starting this, say I'm, say I'm doing a, a test of once a month and theoretically I'm doing a water change once a month. Well, as soon as my one month water change is over and, uh, and I give it, the system some time to level out at like maybe two hours, take a water sample, send it in, and by the time I get my results, I, I have an idea of, hey, I'm elevated, and I'm ready for the next water change to bring that down, or I may have to do larger water changes to bring that down. Rather than just before doing a water change, my ele- or my elevated elements are this high, I send in a water sample, but it, while I'm waiting for the water sample, I do a water change. Now, when it's telling me to react, uh, I, that it, I may have already diluted the problem, you know, if I do mm. a water change beforehand. Uh, oh,
0: gosh, man, this is a good question.
1: Uh, so the answer is, if you're doing
0: like 10% water changes, it doesn't matter, I mean, stop thinking about it, it doesn't make any sense. That's <laughs> right. Uh, like, it's testing, and gonna read the difference. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, I, I thought when you said it, it was stupid, but I, I'm gonna go with- Halfway? Halfway might be the best, this is why. Uh, I mean, I probably wouldn't really do halfway, but you know, like, there's a good solid reason. If you did it before, you know, basically you're gonna test how bad, you know, my water got before yeah. I did a water change, right? You know, theoretically, you can just, like, adjust. You know, I did a 30% water change, like, you know, but you don't really know what's in your water change water either, I guess. Yeah, true. Right? So, but you can see how bad it got, right, if I did it before. However, if I do it after, I'm measuring, you know, the quality of my water as part of my normal maintenance rhythm, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, the things I'm doing to fix my water, because what, you know, Triton will tell you is, you know, don't do a water change until the thing tells you to. And... You know, I, I found that works, you know, that, that it does work, you know, and it just means that you got to send these test kits in all the time. And ultimately, you know, you have to listen to them too. When, when he comes back and it says, hey, do a water change, go do it, because the nature of this is you haven't been doing them until it tells you to. <laughs> uh, and then when it does, don't treat it like it's uh, uh, like a – you know, optional thing to do, man. It's saying, hey, things are off, man, fix it, you know, because you haven't been doing water changes before. Now it's time. Mm. Uh, So, you know, uh, in their essence, I guess you would do it before a water change because you wouldn't even do a water change unless it told you to. If you're going to do it anyway, and I'm just making sure, like, again, I'm going to, like, do this thing, man, maybe every quarter or twice a year, once a year, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and then... I guess I'd probably do it after my water change, just because I know that that's you know part of the rhythm and what I'm doing. It's telling me whether I'm doing is working or not. Yeah, better, better, right. good enough. Or, or, go or ahead. I'll watch. Do me. what Randy says and do it right in halfway.
1: Yes, right in the middle, man. <laughs> <Right laughs> All right, uh, what else we got uh, there here? There was one up here with mm-hmm. my, There we go. How do you? Hey, how do you feel? Okay, T.J. Howell wants to know uh, how we feel about dosing bacteria once a month to promote different strains. You want to go
0: first? I'll I'll go first. I went first last time. I mean, I got to tell you, it just sounds like total garbage to me. Uh, I mean, like, I'm sorry to all the bacteria people out there. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It just, like, I mean, we've been fed, like, a lot of, you know, uh, snake oils and, like, magic Mm. elixirs over the years. Now, there's, there's some out there, man, where I guess I would, I would absolutely do it. Like the Zeovit one. It's just part of their whole system, man. There's like ultra-low nutrients. They want certain bacteria strains to be dominant. And, you know, the nature of the whole Zeovit system is, you know, follow this thing. Everybody who's done it this way produces this kind of results. And, well and there's
1: a community that backs it though too yeah and like it's like a, yeah.
0: you know the zoobit thing's actually been in around longer than i have you know mm-hmm. or at least in the hobby you know so like I mean, this is like 20 year thing so uh you know they got me beat by like i don't know maybe five years so you know I, I mean it produces results so in that case like if there's a really refined thing man i i would follow it i wouldn't decide that i know better than everybody else out there Uh, And at some point, you just got to trust the manufacturers uh, are doing what's right for you, especially in in systems that are producing results. But in general, I mean, it's really hard, man. I I mean, I, I believe the process. You know, I believe the process, like in the tank, there's this like, you know, magical warfare that's happening, you know, inside this tank and you know on every surface you know cyano and cyano and diatoms and dinos and natural good bacteria are all like duking it out trying to figure out who's going to win this space yeah. right and you know a lot of times the ones that have uh uh get energy from photosynthesis win the fastest mm-hmm. right uh, but you know there's a lot of these as and booster bacteria booster products like the waste away yeah um so the waste away You know, eliminated the cyano and helped, you know, whatever beats up cyano, like, win the battle. And the sad part of it is if you go to, like, all those Dr. Tim's products is there's, like, you know, a solution for everything. But the EPA, like, won't allow you to sell your product saying that it kills, you know, anything. uh, Like pesticide, herbicide, or anything like that without going through, like, a whole slew of stuff that you would do if you're going to sell Roundup you know, to eight million people, but like, or like, you know, or probably more farmers whatever, yeah. but not to a handful of reefers, ain't worth doing. So like, you know, he sells like all these solutions that like are, you know, probably solutions that you can't even say he does, you know, <laughs> so it's really up to the, you know, reefers. To try it out. Yeah. I don't
1: know, what do you think about the bacteria stuff? I've- I've done it before. I have fallen. I don't know if I say fallen into that now, uh, but I, I had that level. You know, I had that mentality a while ago because, uh, like the we were talking about the pro probio or you know Prodibio, or whatever you want to call it. They have different strains of bacteria, and you know, for logically thinking uh, that. Yeah. Maybe it does make sense to diversify the bacteria. I don't know personally how many strains of uh, bacteria convert ammonia over to nitrate. If some of those, uh, you know, some of those different strains of bacteria convert nitrate into nitrogen gas, uh, so I'm more effectively getting rid of nitrates by adding different strains of bacteria. I don't know, but uh, there is Dr. Tim out there on the forums now answering questions about his stuff. So, that, and if you had some real had some real questions about it, he is like the micro. He's like a micro, he's a microbiologist. Doctor yeah. Tim, uh, he's out there. Un, uh, he's out there answering some of these questions too, and kind of giving a better explanation than I could give. So I was there at one point in time, but I've also seen success, you know, a hundred different ways in this hobby. And not everybody, actually, a very small handful, probably even less than a handful of group of people, diversified their bacteria and had really good, uh, awesome looking tanks. So it doesn't have. To, you don't have to. All
0: right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go flip flop. I forgot, man. I mean, like, I, I just. You know, it's hard on these things where you can't, like, definitively prove yeah, nobody's it. nobody's really
1: done this, this research. So, though.
0: you know, at one point, man, everybody thought those, like, cycle, you know, products, you know, cycle the tank, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, InstaCycle were, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, snake oil products. i like, I got to tell you, we all we use them here all the time. Yeah. And I don't think we ever kill any fish, you know. And so there's never an ammonia spike, man. It's just works so uh, those products absolutely work you know it was actually interesting man uh, uh, I was talking to uh, Jeremy over at Brightwell and, you know, he's, they sell that Microbacter 7 stuff, and, you know, he was actually promoting that you don't just use his product, but, you know, it's like, hey, if you're going to start a brand new tank, promote as many strains of bacteria, beneficial ones as possible. And he's like, yeah, you could use Dr. Tim's, you could use the Prodibio startup and stuff in there. And I'm like, oh, Jeremy, that's, I don't know, man, that's, you know, tell people to use all these things, you know, that sounds yeah. like kind of a lot, you know. And then, you know what, man, I was writing the, uh, you know, whole, uh, the whole, you uh, four-month uh, uh, cycle process, yeah. you know, and over at uh, Worldwide, they use exclusively the Microbacter 7. Here, we've, I don't know, by default, just used the Dr. Tim's uh, one and only, mm-hmm. almost exclusively, yeah. and then you know, I thought about it, man, I'm like, hey, I want to start up a brand new tank, I want to let the good bacteria beat all of the pests. I mean, I'm probably gonna run into some issue in a new tank, right? But I wanna limit that as much as possible. And like, you know, so we do the good, better, best strategy and the, I'll just give it away, a little spoiler alert here. Like on the uh, XL750, uh, we're gonna dose the Prodibio, the Microbacter 7 and uh, the Dr. Tim's because the stuff isn't that expensive. And for me, uh, in the reefing, ounce of cure, eight million pounds, uh, or I mean, ounce of prevention, eight yeah. million pounds of cure. Like, yeah. in fact, it's not even like on the same scale. Like, after the stuff shows up, dealing with it is a giant pain in the butt. If you can prevent any of the stuff in the beginning, I'll pay twenty bucks just to close my eyes and hope for the best, <laughs> you know, uh, because uh, you know it is. It's it's just trying to avoid diatoms and and uh, Dino uh, dinos and, and all that kind of stuff, and make sure that the things we want to win in the tank's worth it. Now here we've all started with the the Dr. Tims, and they started out with the Brightwell. So on the one eighty or the one E one seventy, yeah, I'm going. Only uh, Brightwell's Macrobacter 7. Oh, yeah. And so we'll get to see the difference. I mean, I won't be anything like definitive, like, oh, we should all use three of these things. But like, uh, if you got a little bit of money burning your hole in your pocket at the time, you're like, I really, really want to avoid this stuff at all costs. Hmm. I mean, it's like almost like eating like a, an organic banana. Uh, I don't, it was, the normal one wasn't going to kill me, but I feel better about this one. Yeah, uh, yeah so, I don't know. Uh, also, I'll note, you know, the, our knowledge on these bacterias is kind of, you know, changed and, like, evolved, and, you know, the things that we're looking for are just different. You know, back in the day, a lot of those uh, bacteria products were refrigerated, you know, and that's because, you know, some of the most aggressive or uh, best options for just, Changing over uh, ammonia into nitrite, nitrate. There are actually bacteria that are best refrigerated. So if you find a refrigerated product, it probably will work better at that. But it's completely missing the other bac- beneficial bacteria for it. And so, you know, there's other processes on the surface of the rock that, if you put those things in there, uh, they actually would outcompete each other. And so like in those, you know, refrigerated products, they don't work as well, you know, with some of the other things. Mm. And in fact, I I think the way that they preserve the stuff that isn't refrigerated is just taking all the oxygen out of the container, and they all go into like a dormant state. So, uh, I don't know, that's all all I got to say about bacteria. There you
1: go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what do we got? Uh, Let's take a look here. Is it okay to dose Alk, and calcium, uh, or any Red Sea products before flow through carbon? I think it, his big question here is Lynn's question is uh, Is carbon going to remove any of that stuff? Okay. Is it okay to dose alkalinity,
0: calcium, magnesium, or any Red Sea products before flow through carbon? So, like oh. if your
1: carbon chamber was here or you had a bag of carbon here and you're dosing your alkalinity, calcium, and magnesium, is it okay to dose it here in the downward, no. in the upstream?
0: The carbon shouldn't remove any of those things. Yeah. No. Uh, in fact, I mean, in theory, like, you know, some. Oh, well, all trace elements. Yeah, there's like iodine and stuff in some of those things. Yeah, so I'm thinking major elements, no problem. But mm. for those trace colors, trace colors and stuff, I probably wouldn't dose it into the same container as the carbon because it'll pull out iodine and, and stuff like mm. that. So, uh, but like major elements, calcium alkalinity, no big deal, you know, at all. Yeah, solid. all right. Uh, Let's see. <laughs> uh, what do you think about AcroPower? All right, uh, uh, so, you know, David Turner, you just make me think of R.T. Turner. So, uh, R.T. had that stuff by the gallon and he had a really awesome tank. Yeah, NPS
1: tank yeah, that he was dosing into. With a, with a doser hooked straight to it, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on
0: tap. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say the Acropower is probably the most time-tested, longest-used, like, uh, amino acid-type product uh, out there. I mean, I can't definitively say you're going to use it and create magic or anything like that. But, you know, often I would say that when people, you know, buy some of these products uh, and then, you know, you dose a little bit uh, every Tuesday, like it says or whatever, you know, it says on these things. And you don't see any results or you you thought you did, but you're not really sure. And then if it's not producing results, eventually you just stop. And so there are so many Acropower fans out there that have been using this stuff for years and super, super big fans. I won't say that mean. That means that it for sure is the most awesome thing out there, but is a strong indicator if really successful tank users are using this stuff for a really long time, recommending it to others, they find the value from it and they keep doing it. Yeah. Because there's things like calcium and alkalinity that are obvious, like... Yeah, bam, man. I know for sure that that (laughs) is obvious. The rest of them get kind of murky, and and murky, people don't repeat. So if people are repeating it, uh, usually it's a pretty good sign. All right.
1: Uh, Let's see what else we got here. Um, Somebody asked us, and I forget where it is, how we feel about the accuracy salt. I think that's the Two Little Fishies one.
0: Is that the the little... Uh, We're going to give it back to to Charlie,
1: yeah. No, we gave it back. Individual packets. Can't beat it. Five gallon bucket. Well, that's all you need. Mix one packet, one bucket. You're good to go. Charlie, Charlie uses it. It's really good stuff. So, so I'll just be open
0: and honest here, man. And uh, like a lot of people won't like this, but like,
1: <laughs> I think it's a smart way to do salt.
0: Oh yeah, I do too. But the thing I was gonna say is, uh, uh, you know what? The for some reason. The salt has been like the one of the things where like quality like I don't care throw it out the window, mm. you know like there's this conversation about like whether or not it's good or not like you know it is like just degenerated and I just want the cheapest possible solution right and that can be like cheapest you know in quality or it can be cheap cheapest in like usability. Right, and so in this case, it comes in little pouches that are pre-measured. I don't have to worry about stratification issues. I don't have to do anything; just dump it in my 5 back and I'm good. I don't have to measure it. I probably, after a couple of times, I probably don't even have to use a refractometer if I don't want to. You yeah. know, because this thing is Trust pre-measured. Around, yeah. But. And so, what I'm saying here is, you know, forget the whole quality, you know, thing, or forget whether or not it's filling up my bucket full of red gunk or you know, uh, you know, all kinds of muck or anything. Forget all that. I prefer, man, that the stuff comes in sizes that I can just dump in my container. It's and, convenient. Yeah, and at this point in time, there's so many containers out there that almost everybody uses a size of that, like, it'd be really nice if some of the other manufacturers of salt, like, gave you a 20-gallon pouch. have 20, and, yeah.
1: 40, what have you. And, and like, it came
0: in a box with 20-gallon pouches in it, and I just dumped that in there. I don't need that bucket anymore. I don't need so many buckets. And the bucket is probably one of the more cost-effective ways to get it to you. Uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, individual pouches and stuff. But, like, I'll pay more. You know, like, not, like, dramatically more, but... Ten bucks a month more? Ten... Well... Tens less uh, than man. that yeah five five, bucks five, five, we'll a month. Pay
1: five but you know what like but that's it, probably the big that's probably the difference between a lot of these different salts anyway yeah it is really about is.
0: five bucks a month five bucks yeah, for per gallon I mean most yeah. of us are using probably 40 gallons a, a month I shouldn't say most a hundred gallon tank you're doing ten percent water changes every day uh you're probably, probably a week. Uh, or I mean, I'm sorry. Every week, uh, you know, it's forty gallons. Yeah. You know, of salt that you use in a month. So you know, one of these buckets could last you four months. You know, yeah. and you know, if it's twenty bucks more, that's five bucks. Yeah. If it, it probably wouldn't even be that much. Twenty dollars more if you just get the bags It's probably four dollars more. It costs a dollar more. To mix up my salt, and no stratification issues are a thing of the past, yeah. and that I don't have to measure this stuff out. I just buy the right size. So I'd love it if other people did it, but the accuracy for uh, for them in the little five-gallon things. If you're only making five gallons of water. Uh, I'm done. As long as, I don't know Let's what the parameters that. are on it, to be honest. But uh-uh. I have to check. I have but. to check too. I mean, because I don't make five gallons of water around here. We make. <laughs> We've got. We make two hundred and fifty over there. There's one over there. There's like three sixty, and yeah. then there's another one. It's not two hundred, so we don't use it that way. But. You know, let's pretend like this is just an office space and none of these people here had reef tanks and I was just an oddball here Mm -hmm. and I had a little guy on my shelf, Uh, yeah I don't want to like turn my office into some weirdo's office with uh, RO systems hanging off every wall. So mixing up a bucket of water underneath
1: my desk and filling it out, that'd be awesome I like uh, Crypto Reefers here on YouTube. Uh, scroll up just a little bit. He says for a new person getting into the hobby besides the salt and equipment I need, what would I what would be a must have for my nano tank as far as additives? Um mm. salt water mix. I mean, we're nano tanks. So when I think of nano for me, okay, so here's how I'd answer. For my for me a nano tank Probably like 40 gallons and below, maybe even probably like 30 gallons and below what I, I would consider nano. I mean, somebody's and, gonna argue with you. I'm uh, sure there's oh, four people course. saying, no, 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 uh, no it's 10. <laughs> it's 10, yeah. No. I mean, some of the sizes of takes that we've kept before, 30, 40 is probably nano to me. Uh, in which case, you know, and anything, anything usually under 30, 40 gallons. Uh, I don't see the need for you know dosing trace elements because my 10% my 20% water change is one probably only going to be you know like a, a five gallon bucket or two five gallon buckets which is completely uh, completely manageable over like 20 or 40 gallon like brew trash cans and stuff like that so uh, the the dilution from that is is uh, enough for you know for me I mean I haven't sent in ICP tests on 10 on 10 gallons of water change on a 40 gallon tank every every week or every two weeks. But I imagine that uh, with a good quality salt, you're probably keeping up with trace elements just fine. So there's really no need to try to go in there and play, pay money to play mad scientists on a water volume that's like this versus a water volume that's like this or even larger where maybe some of those larger swings or water changes may not keep up with. Uh, and I mean, the same goes as far as like, so to, for your major elements, alkalinity, calcium, magnesium, uh, I mean, definitely a washer to start, two part uh, when that gets a little more, or and then probably wouldn't put a calcium reactor on it at that point, but.
0: Uh, and my best bit is, I think that Reef thing is a good
1: option. I think is a good right? option Right, like too. it's just a one part, one and part. has
0: trace elements, everything in it, and you'd probably use a very little amount. Uh, so I'd look into that Reef. Uh, there's actually a, a, a hit on here about, Honestly, uh, I, it, on YouTube, ah. it'd be convenient, but we all know that extra pla- package, plastic packaging ends up floating in a real reef. So, for the sake of a bit of extra work, let's keep our environment clean. Valid. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, you know, sometimes you, you know you pass over that kind of stuff. Uh, you know and other times you just kind of got to debate it and you know man that like plastic bags especially shopping bags and Mm -hmm. stuff like that you know are really bad for the ocean you know turtles eat it and all kinds of you know whales eat it whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, I you know uh, open and honest man I think you're gonna have to weigh that against uh, you know five gallon buckets as well they're like probably not great for the environment you know here in Minnesota I'm not sure if any of my plastic buckets or bags are you know making to the sea, uh, but like at the same time, in big white buckets that are eating up my garbage or bags uh, let's be honest they're both not good, you know mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah but I, I mean I just like it when people are thinking that way, yeah. so uh, thank you for challenging us uh, absolutely yeah, cool. all right, what else we got
1: here let's see. Mm.
0: All right. What do you guys We're think? gonna try to keep these things do an hour. You got know,
1: You got five minutes, man. So think of the best questions you got. Uh, All like right. Uh, what do you guys dose for your refugium? Iron, what else? Uh, I don't think we – actually, we don't specifically target the refugium here. Uh, On the 160, there was times in the Triton – you know, there was a few times when we were holding to the Triton method where it was, hey, you're you're deficient on uh, on iron, you're deficient on iodine, you're deficient on bromine, and there's a couple other ones too, and where they would say corrective dose, here's your corrective dose, and then we suggest this maintenance dose. But I think, you know, for that one in in particular, uh, for the iron – Uh, The maintenance dose was like 0.7 or 0.6 of a mil, uh, in which case I'm probably not going to take the the effort to go over to the tank and measure uh, parts of a mil and and then dose it to the tank on a daily basis. Uh, I would almost be comfortable to the point that next time I send in an ICP test and it tells me do a corrective dose of 20 mils, 30 mils, I'll dose that, and then I'll probably have the same next month. But uh, I don't think... uh, Visually, was there something different about the macroalgae? I, I probably don't
0: know. Uh, this is what I'll say though, is uh, actually this is an interesting point. Is you know, Triton has two methods. There's like other method yeah. and then the Triton method, like, in the Triton method man like, part of it is like, you know, don't do water changes unless the thing tells you, but you don't have to follow that. You can do them, you can still do your water changes if you want. Uh, but what it is actually, if you really boil the whole thing down to what the Core 7 is, is it's a you know, four part calcium alkalinity trace element thing designed to be used with a refugium.
1: Yeah, true. Right,
0: That's the only thing really. Yeah. So that one actually has elevated uh, uh, iron and like molybdenum and a couple other things in it mm-hmm. to account for the fact that you are using a refugium on your tank and that these things are going to naturally be depleted much faster in a tank like this. So, you know, that's actually, I didn't really think about it that way, but like, that's the only one of the two parts out there that is specifically formulated for being used oh, yeah. with the refugium. That makes sense. Uh, I will say uh, uh, the Brightwell people, I don't think it exists but yet, but uh, I've seen hints of it. Are they gonna create a product called like Cato Grow or something like that? you know at first reference it would sound like it was going to have like nitrogen and phosphorus but that isn't the case Mm -hmm. uh at least who would want to dose that to feed you know kato but that would be like what you would naturally think of but it actually doesn't it has like molybdenum and uh, iron and whatever in there to replace some of the elements that you would naturally uptake with your growing your kato and your Mm -hmm. refugium. so i don't think that exists quite yet uh You know, maybe one of them is watching this video and they'll say, like, run over to the lab and say, hey, let's get that going. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I don't know, man. I I think that will probably come around. All right, all right. Well, we got like two more minutes left. All right.
1: Question or two getting in there. Let's see.
0: All right, I don't know. Let's try this one. Uh, Help. We dosed no pox, got large cyano, uh, large grain sand. Swap sand bed to finer sand, no cyano. Now dose vinegar two months, uncontrolled diatom. Uh, should this last this long? Okay, I'm just going to go out here, man, and like, I, I mean, you know, like, I love these live things because I can just say crazy stuff uh, <laughs> uh, that I wouldn't normally say in one of these things. I could just say like, you know, opinions and stuff. And this is kind of the thing, man, where I just don't like dosing, like carbon dosing, man. Mm -hmm. Like There's so many ways to remove uh, excess nitrate and phosphate from the tank, It's my last
1: option. If I can't do it, if I can't uh, control nitrates, phosphates, like refugium, we've proved, you know, right here, and we see it right here on this tank, that it is 100%, if not too effective at some point in time uh, at reducing nitrates and phosphates, and that's such an easy method, though. Before implementing carbon dosing, before implementing GFO, if I have exhausted water changes and refugium, then... I, I, I don't personally. I, I agree.
0: You know, so here's the thing: it's not that it doesn't work because carbon dosing absolutely oh, yeah, works. works. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no question. Yeah. Uh, it's that there's just like so many unknowns, and like I, somebody else is going to blow up on me here for just even <laughs> saying this phrase, red field ratio. Uh, wow. You know, and not not that you should run off with the red field ratio and think that everything needs to be in parallel to each other or mm-hmm. whatnot, but like there is a ratio to organic carbon to phosphorus uh, or to nitrogen to phosphorus in the ocean. And like I don't think that it like scales or anything. That you need to follow it exactly or anything. But like, when I mean, there's a reason why these things are like in balance with each other. And so like, if like say, when I'm dosing organic carbon in the tank, I get nitrogen and phosphorus down to like near zero. But let's say I'm overdosing, meaning I'm not dosing the perfect amount to get those down. Mm-hmm what's happening to all that organic carbon in the tank? Like, is it building up? Is it like, uh, I don't know, like if people say all kinds of different things and nobody really knows. You know, Triton's actually coming out with organic carbon tests, you know, so maybe we'll get a more vision into that. I, I've never seen it yet and I don't know how it'll work, but like, that'd be fun to see, especially for organic carbon dosers. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, there's all this discussion out there, like, you know, does cyano or diatoms or dinos or whatever thrive in an environment where there's really high nitrogen, low no phosphorus or vice versa or you know, tons and tons of organic carbon in the tank but no phosphorus but like getting these ratios like, totally out of whack man like you know probably aren't like good things and so for most people you know I, I'm trying to imagine a world where you're dosing the right amount of carbon to your tank uh, maybe really hard yeah because I know if I'm not dosing enough like the phosphate and nitrogen like will still rise yeah right uh, if I'm dosing uh, too much, I don't know, you know, because it's going to you know, be zero in either case. And the part that like a lot of people miss on this one entirely is the amount of organic carbon dose that you need to do to get it down is totally, totally different than the amount that you would use to keep it down. Mm. Like to, to get all that excess carbon or, or phosphorus and nitrogen out of the tank versus just to manage the tiny amount that you add every day. And this is actually one of the reasons why if you're gonna start carbon dosing, for me, like what I would do is use water changes to get it down already mm-hmm. and then use the carbon dose to manage that now low level, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, that way I'm not trying to like correct this like extreme wrong and who knows what's gonna happen in this wild west environment of microbes on, on you know, the surfaces of everything in the tank. Get it down naturally through water changes. I guess that's not natural, but get it down through water changes in a way that is in balance, you know, with all the other things. Then use the carbon dose to leave it uh, down there. So I'd actually say that about a lot of different methods of uh, maintaining, you know, various uh, various ways of maintaining nitrogen and phosphorus in the tank. You know, the don't try to use the tool to hammer an existing problem. Water change it out, which works 100% of the time, then use the new tool to maintain that thing, get it stable around that new thing instead of, you know, Wild West. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I think
0: that was a good... Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. I see one jiggling over here. Uh, uh, what kind of additives are those in the white cups you're drinking out of? This is Calm Camomile, t- Tazo tea. It's pretty this good. This is Tazo orange blossom. I got macronic tea drinker. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I can have one cup of coffee in the morning, Yeah, two, man, sometimes, and then I just have a total uh, freak out, you know, after that, you don't <laughs> wanna be around me, man, I'll be running around crazy. So, but I love hot drinks, so we drink a lot of tea around here, yeah, I, do, I do anyway. So, uh, if, you, if you wanna be cool like me, Tazo orange blossom. That's good stuff. I like those pie passion one things too. Um, I'm a berry blossom guy myself. I know that, you know,
1: I like these fruity ones, so <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I love Chivana too until they went out of business. Oh yeah. I, I don't know. Let's grab that one real quick uh, before we get out of here. Miss Umbra Hawk asks, what size is the tank behind us? There's a really good series that you should go check out if you haven't already. It's called 52 Weeks of Reefing. It's on our YouTube channel. It's the setup and progression over an entire year of this tank. And now we're going on almost three years of this tank, so. Uh, hey, apparently chamomile has the most trace elements. So, uh, awesome. All right, well, uh, I think, Randy, when's your video coming out this week? Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, we'll have, I'll have one on uh, red seed and how to Actually, additives. So yeah, ah, major the, element. Oh additives. yeah,
0: you mix those guys up. Yeah, yeah I
1: remember that. We were doing that Friday. Uh,
0: and then uh, for everybody else on Friday, I'm doing the uh, four month tank cycle. I got so many questions about this that I decided to move it up a little bit yeah. and get it in there for everybody. And you'll get to see, you know, what the WWC method. I just like actually word for word took uh, Josh over at WWC's method and put it in there because is the best representation I've ever heard of a method uh, for cycling your tank. Took what we have here, meshed it together, produced something real solid for Mm -hmm. everybody that's replicable, and uh, you know what? I I just think people are gonna be really excited to see it, especially because, you know, it's like, uh, I just kinda, I felt a lot of pressure. So again, I love these live things. Uh, I felt a lot of pressure over the years, you know, like to when you're starting up the tank to like kind of help people achieve what they want, which is like a, you know, super fast tank, you know, And you know what, I'm just like done with that, man. Like, no more pressure guys. Uh, It's gonna take us four months to get this tank ready for uh, SPS corals, man. And not that somebody couldn't out there do it faster because they absolutely could. Yeah. Uh, It's that I wanna produce a system that is repeatable by as many people as possible and produces the most consistent results. Never achieving perfect, but you know, like really, you know, trying to find a system where if you do this, the chances are pretty high. And I think the smartest thing I heard out of WWc on the whole thing, just a little preview, is wait until the coral the tank is producing calcareous algae oh, yeah. like coralline. If the tank isn't co- producing coralline algae in the tank, it really isn't red, ready for uh, calcifying corals. Hmm. If it is, it's one of the strongest, strongest uh, you know signs that you're ready to start adding corals to this thing. So they're gonna really dive that into that. I simple, yeah. I, well, I mean, it's like, a, you know, they're not magic. We're not debating on the forums about, you know, this thing or that thing or, you know, the eight tanks I set up or the eight ones you, like yeah. it's a definable thing, man. This thing's growing coralline algae. I'm ready. You know, calcifying uh, organisms are laying down a bicarbonate mm-hmm. skeleton, right. and yeah, the best <laughs> sign possible that this thing is ready. So Friday. I guess uh, we'll see you on Friday with that one, I'll see and you then we'll there. be back, what we call this, like morning reef talks with Ryan and Randy, or afternoon. afternoon, or whatever afternoon. it is, uh, next Monday. <laughs> next All right, Monday. see you then.